Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 471 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how are we feeling? I'm doing fantastic. After a long weekend, I managed to recharge my batteries, and I'm good to go. You know, I learned something. I should have told this on After Dark, or I can't tell it on After Dark. Um, Very long story short, my wife has a newer phone than I do. She has, Mm -hmm. like, the Samsung 10 or whatever, 11, and she broke the screen on it, (laughs) and they had to come and fix it. And they don't fix it at, like, the cell phone store. They send someone to you to fix it. Right. And I'm thinking, is this, it's like, oh, it's the screen on a phone. Is it, like, you know, the auto glass repair sort of thing, right? Where they send, like, SafeLight or whoever it is in your area out to do it. They put, like, the little gel in, and you're good to go. Uh, That is not the case. Uh, The gentleman had to come to the house and take the entire phone apart, and they put a brand new entire face on the phone. That's what I thought they had to do. Right. But a lot of it was once, like, once they got it open and, like, there's 17 tiny little screws and there's, like, this little tiny motherboard inside of it, uh, all this other crazy stuff. But the two glass pieces of your much newer phones have to be separated by heating them up very much. And then to get the battery out into the new screen face, you have to, like... It's like an industrial strength blow dryer, essentially what it is, to heat up the the glue that holds the battery in. Mm-hmm. So you say this about char- recharging your batteries. The phone that I had before the one that I have here went bad because I had like multiple batteries because I lived in constant fear of my phone running out of juice because I was doing a lot of traveling and I needed to have my phone from a GPS. So I was always in fear. My phone running out of battery, running out of juice. But having those multiple batteries, that constant maneuvering in and out batteries is what made the connectors in my phone become faulty. Right. And now that they have the, the glued-in thing where it's like more, you, you, it's much more difficult to do that. Um, it, That's how it holds a charge better and everything else like that. So I imagine you blow-drying yourself to get your battery out to recharge it. That's how I does it. Yes. Well, part of the reason of that is, of course, because Todd was in New York City for several days for New York Comic Con, and there was a ton of news at New York Comic Con this year, and we're going to talk about all of that. There are some conventions going on this weekend, but this is New York is pretty much the end of con season. It usually is, but for mm. some reason, Baltimore is after New York this year. Right. So, but Baltimore doesn't have the same like prestige or the big announcements. Like we love Baltimore right. very much. Right. But as Todd mentioned, Baltimore used to be before New York. So whenever New York comes around, I always feel like that's the end of convention season. And then Emerald City is the beginning of convention season. I would totally agree with that. Right. But there are some conventions going on this weekend, uh, digital sales and uh, lack of freebies, which we'll discuss uh, what we read from this past week, which includes Berserker Unbound number three, Immortal Hulk number 24 and Absolute Carnage Immortal Hulk number one. What we're looking forward to coming out this week. And uh, I have a feeling 
a jam-packed uh, Todd's Art Attack. Sadly, neither of us got a chance to watch Batwoman uh, from this past week. I do have it sitting in my queue, ready to go. Uh, just there's been a lot of wrestling going on. I'm not sure <laughs> if you uh, listen to the other shows on the soon-to-be-named network. Right, right. So, uh, just kind of getting into some of the news, of course. Um, you know, just some announcements here and there. Uh, the one that, you know, it just we'll start with some of the D. Well, we'll start with some of the DC stuff. Move over to Marvel, and then we'll get to the big DC thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was announced that Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti are going to be doing a Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey miniseries at Black Label alongside. Uh, the upcoming Harley Quinn movie that I know is a Birds of Prey movie, but who are we kidding here? Right. Um, this, I'm not sure if flies in the face, but maybe might oversaturate the market as we talked a few weeks ago <laughs> about the Warren Ellis Harley Quinn Suicide Squad book that was supposed to be out this week and is getting delayed to come out possibly as a Black Label book alongside the upcoming Harley Quinn movie. That's a Brian Azzarello. Book. Brian Azzarello. My apologies. I said no more else, Brian Azzarello, but thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, um, we'll, they're they're trying real hard to make Harley Quinn the Deadpool of the DC universe, uh, and that's will be the fourth Black Label uh, Harley Quinn book that, like, in early on in the run of Black Label, like uh, the only other thing they'll have is a question book, and uh, and they have the Batman Damned which I think Harley may have been in for a minute. So, like, technically, like, 9 out of 10 of your Black Label books will, will contain Harley Quinn. We guarantee it at DC. Your new material Black Label stuff, because they've kind of repurposed right. some of the other stuff in the That's past. That's what I mean, yeah, of, the, of the, the fresh material, if you will. Yeah, but hey, I like Amanda and Jimmy uh, on Harley Quinn. You know, a lot of the look and the feel of Harley Quinn can be kind of tr- like what we know now as Harley Quinn can be traced to their books. Mm-hmm. And, and good for them. This one is, I, I will give credit. We'll have uh, the Harley Quinn book was written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, usually drawn by someone else. This mini series is going to be drawn by Amanda Connor. So that will put some, you know, butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. So, cause Amanda Connor as an artist moves the needle to me a little more than as a writer. So I, I guess there would, I, I have a feeling this will be anticipated as one of the more, or more anticipated of the Harley Quinn stuff that's going to be coming out. Uh, yes. And I hope, you know, we are big fans of Jimmy and Amanda on this show, so I hope it, you know, loads their pocket down with money. Right. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch it from last week, but I have since. Did you watch the Harley Quinn trailer? Of the movie one? Yes. Okay, not because there's a the cartoon coming. Yes, I did see it. Uh, what'd you think? It's a movie that I will probably go see because we do a comic book podcast, but I don't know what to expect from this movie. Uh, I I was going to say we do a comic book podcast, but neither one of us saw Joker this past weekend either. So, But if I wasn't gone for four days, I would have saw Joker. That's true. I'm going I'm going to see it with the, the summer you sometime. But uh, like I said, Thursday night was the preview night. I was in New York. I wasn't going to go see a movie. And then I didn't get back until Sunday night. Wasn't going to go see a movie. And I needed to recharge those batteries with my industrial hairdryer on Monday. So... <laughs> That doesn't give me time to watch right. a movie. 
But so yeah, I don't know. The trailer didn't uh, light me on fire, as it were. Right. I'm a Margot Robbie fan. Really? Yeah, I think uh, she's at the height of her powers right now, so I'm good to go. I'll see anything she's in. Did you see the big sick? Not not the big sick. What was the one where she was just in a bathtub describing how finances work? Oh, that was the Wolf of Wall Street. No, 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 no. Uh, It was some sort of pseudo-documentary, but kind of fictionalized documentary. Where they're like, we have to explain how this financial thing works. So instead of us doing it, and they just cut to Margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining it to you. I will mark that down on my uh, to-do list. Okay, let me look that up because it's going to kill me. To-do list, Margot Robbie. Wait a minute. What? The Big Short. I, I was thinking The Big Sick. The Big Short is the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh, Minute 38 clip is on the old YouTube. So, you know, do what you need with that. I don't need much. I just want to see her talent in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I couldn't tell you who the Birds of Prey people are because they don't really focus on them all that much in this uh, Birds of Prey Harley Quinn trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I might go see it. I'm hearing mixed things on Joker. Right. Well, that's one that I'll make my own decision. I don't trust anybody else. Right. Uh, One thing that I do trust our judgment on is uh, (laughs) two smash hits. I would say surprise smash hits over at DC in Young Justice and uh, Wonder Twins. Oh, yes. They were part of the uh, the Wonder Comics line alongside Young Justice, which is still ongoing. Naomi uh, was supposed to be like these series of tiered one-shots. Or six issue miniseries, as this is. They've told us that Naomi is coming back in the near future, but again, written by Brian Michael Bendis and uh, David Walker. Again, I don't think David Walker's the problem there. I think it's Brian Michael Bendis. He's got a lot on his plate. But uh, Dial H by Sam Humphreys and Wonder Twins by Mark Russell. They got extended to 12 issue miniseries, as is, and now they're getting extended further. How much further? We don't know. But in New York, they announced that the books are crossing over with Young Justice after their runs are done. And I'm happy about that. More Young Justice for me, more Dial H for Heroes for you. And uh, I'm all about that. And Wonder Twins is for everyone. Right. Uh, So some other movements over at Marvel. Uh, They officially announced that Al Ewing is going to be taking over Guardians of the Galaxy. As Donny Cates is moving on to bigger things, and we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, no word about the continuation or otherwise of Immortal Hulk, but one would think that like there wasn't an announcement of it ending. So I have a feeling that it'll be continuing. But Al Ewing on Guardians of the Galaxy, that'll be good. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's, you know, one of those books because of the uh, the Amnit and Landing run that kind of revitalized who and what the Guardians of the Galaxy are in the 2000s. Whenever a new writer comes on, I always give it a try. And Al Ewing has got a good track record. And Mortal Hulk's going to give him some street cred with me. So, I'm, I mean, I'm going to try Guardians of the Galaxy regardless. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then you throw in Al Ewing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in for a while. You know, you're going to have to mess up hard in the first couple issues. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, I think Marvel's biggest announcement was probably... Uh, their worst kept secret, I would say, 
<laughs> is that Donny Cates is going to be taking over Thor after Jason Aaron. Cool. And uh, art by Nick Klein, even though the cover of the book that they, you know, the, all they have is like, here's the cover, here's Thor's new fancy look. Uh, the cover looks very John Romita Jr. to me. Are you picking up that vibe or no? Is that just me? I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. I I was never like a big uh, John Romita Jr. fan, unless he was with Bob Layton back in the days. But uh, I'll take your word for it. Right. So, you know, I've been reading Thor for a while, and uh, I like what Donny Cates has done. Like I said, this is probably the worst kept secret in all of uh, comicdom. I think this was talked about freely, like, for the last two months. Right. I'm waiting to see how Jason Aaron, the old, you know, uh, what is it, God, uh, King Thor ends to see if he's they're cleaning the slate or they're going to he's going to, you know, continue with that story. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the new look? I, I mean, I'm a sucker for the classic look, um, but, you know, I'm always open to to like different interpretations of the costume. So it doesn't blow me away. But I'm not 100% like, oh, like, uh, this is terrible. Like, Thor's had a couple of different costumes, so we'll see. I'll give it a chance. It does look much more superhero-y. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when there's been the superhero-y look of Thor, he always goes back to a more, uh, you know, I guess, Thor-looking Thor. Right. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's Donny Cates. I'm sure he'll do great. And he's wearing leg armor, pronounced leg armor, which I'm always a fan of. I mean, it, it, to me, like you have I, the leg armor, but then there's like that. What do you want to call it? The cosmic awareness stars in his costume. So I see what you're saying about the the Ramita, but it kind of throws me. I don't know. I'm wondering if he is going to have cosmic awareness because that seems to be the the effect they use for that. So I don't know. But he's got a hammer, so that's always what all you need. Yeah, it's uh, So we'll see. Yep. So last but not least, and this is just a lot of rumor and innuendo, but it's coming out, so we got to discuss it, okay? So back at San Diego, uh, Dan DiDio said that they were going to unveil the DC continuity timeline of where everything fits in. And... The timeline is a little bit different than what we've kind of been told in the past, but not too, too different, right? hmm And, you know, it says, you know, it's broken up to, into, into generations. They, they've kind of revamped the timeline a little bit that Wonder Woman is the first hero, and that's Generation 1, and then Generation 2 is, like, Superman. Like, wherever Superman fits in, and then after Superman is, like, JSA and Justice League and so on. Uh, Generation 3 begins with Crisis on Infinite Earths as opposed to, like, Generation 2 ending with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. And then that goes to... Well, no, it's... it's okay, well, it's, so, it's, it's weird because the graph... It's, it's a little unreadable because, yes. like, DC did, like, make it public. They just showed it up on a big screen. It's a lot of people taking pictures, right? Right, and then you have to squint to see stuff, and ugh, right, right, too hard. So, so then we get to Final Crisis, and that kind of ties in like the Wildstorm universe and Metal, and you know, New Fifty Two as well as Rebirth. 
are all kind of folded into that. Mm-hmm. But then there's been discussion of Generation 5. The fifth wave, if you will. Right. So the discussion there is all of these younger heroes that we've been seeing popping up over the last, you know, year or two in DC. Uh, the, the teenage uh, Green Lantern, uh, young Jonathan Kent becoming Superman, uh, Luke Fox Batman, all these things are going to replace who we know as the Batman, the Superman, the etc. in the main continuity. It's all rumored innuendo now. But it's a lot of people putting pieces together that exist in all of these books. Mm -hmm. My take on it is, is it possible? Yes. Is it, it, could they do it? Yes. Will it be permanent? No. Um, Is it possibly dangerous? Yes. I, I, I don't know. Like, I get swapping out heroes every once in a while and and changing things up and, you know, you want to do this. But I think if they're going to do everybody at once, that's that's pretty dangerous. I mean, I remember when they did Superman, you know, the death of Superman and then Nightfall and, and Hal Jordan got changed to Kyle Rayner. And the Flash was kind of stayed the same, but Wonder Woman was who... Somebody else and like, like Artemis, Ar- I think became yes, Wonder Artemis Woman. and Green Arrow became his his son. Connor became, Hawk, sure. Connor Hawk. And it worked. But I'm wondering, you know, like this weird era of comics where everybody just just hates everything immediately. I, I don't know. I hope it can work. But in the end, there's no way we don't get back to the names everybody knows and loves. Bruce Wayne, Diana Prince, you know, like Clark Kent. So I, I do think they'll do it to give it a try, but I don't think it's it's in any way going to stick. And to this day, Crisis on Infinite Earths and stuff that came out of it was great, but I still think Crisis on Infinite Earths was one of the biggest mistakes DC has ever made because it's they've been trying to fix things ever since. And it's Marvel, they just go, you know what, sliding scale of time, it always seems to work. DC's like, nope, now we got to have another crisis to fix everything. And it gets... More confusing every time. Like, whatever this timeline is, when I can read it, it's not going to make any sense to me. And it's not going to make any sense to a new reader. So I always look at crisis as a bad thing. Well, so the the long and the short of this is DC is attempting to cram 90 years of publishing history Mm -hmm. into a 60-year legitimate timeline. Right. And you make a great point about how since Crisis, everything has just been trying to put a Band-Aid on them admitting that, you know, we can't figure out how to do a sliding scale like Marvel does. Well, that's the thing. Everything I ever heard was it wasn't the sliding scale. It was the alternate Earths that screwed everything up. Mm -hmm. It was it was it became too hard to remember where we left everybody. Because people were crossing over on Earths and they were living on other Earths. And Black Canary went from Earth 2 to Earth 1 to live forever. And in the end, they were like, it's all too confusing. The fans can't handle it. And then in the end, they changed it. And the editors are like, we don't know what we did. It's all too confusing. You know what I mean? Like, the, the sliding scale became real easy when they just went, all the World War II heroes went to Earth 2 and World War II was happening now. That's not that hard to understand. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, they or made it more complicated than it needed to be. Right. Or it was slightly after World War II, because then it's like, well, why didn't you just send everybody in to help fight the Nazis? But yes, it became very careful. And then it was like, oh, well, only five Earths to survive. And these Earths were crammed together and everybody's there. And everybody who was in the antimatter universe when this fought, their histories were changed. But the ones on Earth weren't. It was like, it was a nightmare. And I yeah. still don't understand it. Right. And then, you know, we got the Earths and then we're back to now there's 52 Earths, mm-hmm. but then there's a multiverse. And then there's a dark multiverse. Right. They, and they keep this, making it worse. Right. So this whole thing technically can work of cr- attempting to cram 90 years of publishing history into a 60-year timeline. Fine. That's great. I want to know who was asking for this so I could punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, this is a thing that does need clarity, but this is not a thing that needs this much clarity. And the logic behind this is, at least the way that this reads, is similar to a couple years ago when Marvel did Marvel Now and replaced all of the people who are on the Avengers and in the smash hit film Avengers with people who don't look like the people in the smash hit film Avengers. Mm Mm-hmm. And the dyed-in-the-wool comic book people didn't like that. Marvel was attempting to get new readers. And every move that's made in the world of comic books these days are to make money. And the only way that you can make money is by getting new people to read your books. Eventually, I will die. Eventually, Todd will die. And eventually, everyone listening to this podcast will die. It's the people who aren't listening to this podcast, the people who don't listen to podcasts, who watch YouTube and, you know, like the younger generation. There are people out there who do read. They just don't read comic books. Mm -hmm. This is DC making an attempt, which is what they've been doing over the last like year or two with all the different imprints and the young adult novels. And now seemingly attempting to make their ma- the front face of their main universe look younger. And I applaud their ambition. But for every Jonathan Kent Superman book that's on the stands, you're going to have two Clark Kent Superman books. For every uh, teenage Green Lantern book on the stands, you're going to have another Green Lantern book that has Hal Jordan in it. Or Jon Stewart. Or Kyle Rayner. Or Guy Gardner. Or whomever it is. For every Cassie Wonder Woman, and you get me. For every Luke uh, Fox, you're going to have two to three Batman books. We could do this all day. And I'm, right. you know, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with you. This harkens back to, and I can't remember the name of the event that they did, but it was back in the day when you would do an event through all of your annuals. Oh, yes. And it was when all of the DC heroes became younger. And Stargirl became older. Oh, yes. That was... I forget what that was. Right. Uh, grown-ups something? Yeah. Right. But anyway. but, so it was an annual special. It was a thing because, you know, Jeff Johns or whomever it was, was attempting to, you know, keep that push on making Stargirl, Star Woman in this point, mm-hmm. uh, a bigger deal. And it was a cute thing to see, like, all these alternate angle ideas of your main DC superheroes. And that's what this looks to be on paper, whether or not it actually is. Maybe it's not going to be a full change. 
maybe it's going to be like a summer event where the event begins, the catalyst is all of our main heroes go, the younger heroes need to step up, and then for a three to six month period, whatever it is, that's who's in these books. The the younger heroes, whether you renumber them, whether you retitle them, whatever you do, but it's going to eventually come back. I can't see this as a long-lasting change, but this is definitely DC attempting to get younger people. And this goes back to the whole thing of why Spider-Man can't be married and why, you know, Bruce Wayne can't do this and Clark Kent can't do that because kids can't, some suit, some pencil pusher, some somebody is, kids can't relate to Spider-Man if he's married. Kids can't relate to Superman if he's married. Kids can't relate to, you know, whomever it is. And kids don't care. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the twenty five to forty nine group that cares. Yep, you got them. If you're trying to get twelve to eighteen to read your books, this feels like it could work. Whether or not it does is another story. Right, but does it? And I always go, how many people are you going to bring in the door, and how many people are you going to hand their hat and send them out the door? That's really what it comes down to. And I don't think any of these companies ever get it right. Like with Marvel and they changed everybody to be, you know, younger, hipper change. And like people, people didn't eat it up. And, and it wasn't because they were younger and hipper. It was because they did it all at once. It, sometimes too much change at once is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying never change or we're going to be stuck, you know, in the, in the, in the 20s kind of a thing. But be careful how much you do at one time because you're never going to bring in as many people as you're going to alienate. You're never going to do it. I just don't see kids like flocking. I don't see people with their, with their switch and their swatch and their hipping and their hopping in their hand going, you know what? Let's run to the comic store. Right. You know, they have to be good stories for people who like to read later in life. I'm not saying 27, maybe 15. I I don't know. I just think that kids are a tough market. They just like shiny things and, you know, big explosions. So it doesn't matter. I I don't know. Does that make any sense whatsoever? It does. But um, like I said, even if DC does this, even if it's three months, even if it's six months or this decides to be the new publishing direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you're. It's not. They're never going to get rid of selling a book, whether it be in quote unquote main continuity or not, that has a Bruce Wayne Batman, a Clark Kent Superman, a Diana mm-hmm. Prince Wonder Woman, and so forth. I agree. So that kind of takes the teeth out of this whole thing just a little bit. True. So the uh, the the event in question was called Sins of Youth. I remember that. Yes. No. Right, as I pull that up, Aqua Boy and it was like a they swapped everyone. It was like Aqua Boy and Lagoon Man, Bash Boy and Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it kind of reminds me of I think remember that uh, episode of Justice League United where all the heroes got shrunk. I'm trying yeah. to remember which one came first because I'm wondering if the TV show they were like, oh, that's a great idea, do it in the comics. The comic is from 2000. Hmm. So I don't know when that happens. It might have just been good ideas happening at the same time, perhaps. Right, like when they put out two movies of the same thing in the same year. Uh-huh. Uh, last but not least, though, enough of the the gossip and rumor mongering. It's, it's time, Todd. It's the time for one of the most uh, favorite segments of the show. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the clock on the wall. Look at the one on your arm, because it's time for the Rob Watch. 
We didn't prepare. Didn't we have an idea of how we were going to get to this? Yes, we do. I have it written down, and we're going to work it for next time. Okay. Next time Rob does something. We just need to have it ready. Yes. So, allegedly, at uh, New York Comic Con, the Rob was selling uh, copies of his crowdfunded book that you got before the people who actually crowdfunded it. If you went to New York Comic Con of Brigade, and apparently there were variant editions uh, that had alternate interior pages, mm. which I think is a new level, uh, good or bad. Definitely is a new level. Yep, it's a thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, the thing, things that Rob is up to, Rob's sending out a bunch of uh, cryptic tweets, um, and and th- that became much much less uh, cryptic as the day went on. Uh, essentially saying that he was going to talk to his attorney, going to have to hold some feet to the fire for some shady practices over at Marvel. Uh, not the movie division, not Deadpool. Uh, but apparently, um, it's a little... Un- he, he then tells a story about how Fighting American, he had to take Marvel to court over Fighting American. Mm-hmm. Back in the uh, mid-90s to show that it was a separate character that Jack Kirby had worked on that he got the rights to use uh, and how Marvel might have filed a motion in a misleading manner. So uh, it's very interesting to see what Rob is up to, especially since he's been so positive about Marvel in uh, recent days and months and weeks. And so, not against DC, but really clamoring for the return of Camelot 3000. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just want to know who's who's the one who put the nickel in the jukebox that is Rob to get him worked up over Marvel. Like, somebody must have had some conversation with him at New York saying, you see Marvel doing X with your Y? Yep. That's somebody the person I want to talk to. Somebody came up and poked Rob in the ribs and said, hey, buddy. The Rob in the ribs. That's right. The Rob ribs. Um, The rib robs. (laughs) But anyway, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I, want to see. Um, This is a guy who's had some, you know, legal trouble recently with properties. So hopefully he'll, he'll win this round. I don't know. Be fitty fitty. In the you know in the judicial arena, but I don't know. I don't trust Rob when he says he's got a case. So we'll see what happens. And again, it's in the early stages, but you know you see the Rob threatening lawsuit against the number one you know uh, uh, comic book company, and you know at the end of the day, a Disney owned property. You know you put it on the list. Yep, and he said you know he was touting Marvel all the way, and DC's going under with. Unless they do this, that, and this, and the other thing, and he saves, you know, Marvel with Major X and blah blah blah. Now all of a sudden they're they're dirty schnooks, Joe. You don't. I don't know what's going on. Right. Well, I know one person who didn't get worked up at New York Comic Con this past weekend, and that's our very own Todd, who was at New York Comic Con this past weekend. I was, like I always say, I had Converse on the on the ground in in New York. It was a good time. Good time. You know, this is not the time to discuss this, but you brought it up. So my current Converse that I wear are Converse 2. Right. Or Converse Chuck Taylor 2s that they made several years ago. 
and I've had them. They've they've had a good run. They've lasted me a little bit uh, over four years, and they're starting to you know starting to get a little frayed. And I went to go look up online to to, per- to see about purchasing another pair. And uh, you know, after introducing the line in 2015, Converse uh, ended the line in 2017. They heard you were looking for new shoes. That's what <laughs> That's- it was. So uh, if anybody listening to this has a line on a size 13 or 14, uh, 13 will work, but 14 is preferable. Converse Chuck Taylor All-Star 2s. Uh, slide into my DMs. Email me directly at threeguysfromnowhere at gmail.com. A uh, lot of nines and nine and a halves out there. Mm-hmm. Not so many 13s or 14s. You know what they say about guys with big shoes, Joe? They got big feet. Mm. I was going to say they cry when the only pair of shoes that they like are being discontinued. I can see you with some gorilla tape on your shoes. I've done that in the past, but uh, I don't know if I can get away with that as a 42-year-old man. <laughs> Ooh, you're getting when old, I was a young though. whippersnapper of 30, I could have got away with that, but not that's now. Right. Yeah, that's right. You were hip back then. Right. Uh, but yeah, so you wear a different style of Converse. They were on the ground. We did discuss this, or will have discussed this on <laughs> After Dark this week. So, uh, you know, check that out when that drops on Friday, or if you're a Patreon, you might have already heard this, if you listen to these shows in the correct recording order. Uh, but I, I saw you tweeted out something about some special King Shark pin. What's so special about this pin, Todd? Well, the King Shark pin was a, a pin that came only if you went to the off-site DC Universe thing. Oh, uh, yeah, they did like a little pop-up art exhibit thing, right? Uh, yes, that, and it was off-site, and the only way to get into them was to have a uh, an account, and then they would actually check and see if you you know your account was valid before you can get in, because Josh went and did a couple of things, but like I, uh, but I was not allowed to go. You know what I mean? Because I don't, I didn't have an account. But Josh played the game. It's all about the game, Joe, and how you play it. Because he just did the test run beforehand, the free mm-hmm. test run, and there was problems at times. But they did have to let him in because he had an account. You know what I mean? And 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 he did the show, but uh, they were a Harley Quinn pins for the cartoon, which came in a, uh, like got in a little cardboard thing that had a uh, Dr. Psycho, I think the little, the, the short guy with mental powers, a Harley Quinn pin and a King shark. But I really just wanted the King shark one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know somebody who works at DC and went up to the DC green room and just said, Hey, can I have one of those King shark pins? And uh, <laughs> he slid it into my hand and I went, okay, so I have the King shark pin, but didn't get the other two, which, I don't care about and but Josh ended up getting all three of them and he kind of rubbed it in my face and I was like, eh, I got what I wanted. I'm not gonna. And I'm but guessing I, those are for the upcoming what Harley Quinn, uh, Har- Poison Ivy animated deal that's going to be on the 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 service. Yes, it's all in the animated style. Gotcha uh, on the pins and stuff like that. And also, I managed to snag early uh, one of the Legion rings. I saw that, and that's not like the uh, cheap hunk of junk plastic one that they give out at the comic book shops for free. That yes, looks it like is. it's uh, at least painted with metal. Uh, right, but it is those hunk of junk plastic ones they hand out at the comic shop. Oh, that's, it looks it looks much better than the ones that it, I have. It does, but it's going to be what you get with. I'm guessing they didn't say they didn't they get with um, 
the new Legion of Superhero one that's coming up. Um, and I don't know where they were. It was one of those things that I was sitting at the booth with Tom or at the table watching the, t- the table with t- sitting with Tom and somebody came up and there was this nice woman with her daughter. And I was like, we were talking and I ended up, you know, the, the, the little girl really liked Tom's prints and there was one of Damien and Robin. And she was like, I really like this. And we're sitting there and I'm like, the mother and the daughter have the, the, the rings on. And I'm like, Oh, where'd you get those rings? And she's like, She's like, oh, they were up. Some gentleman was just handing them out upstairs, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember. I don't even know what they are. I'm like, oh, that's a Legion superhero ring, flight ring. I, I want to get one of those. Do you remember? If you remember where I was, I was going to run. And the lady just slides it off and hands it to me. So I ended up being like, like I told Tom I'd, I'd end up paying for the print. I told him quietly and I said, pick a print to the little girl. And she ended up took the day and she was so happy. And the mother gave me the ring, and I gave her the print. And I was like, Tom, I'll pay you later. And then about a few minutes later, this big hulking guy comes over, and he's like, and he just, like, puts money in my face. And I'm like, what's this? He's like, you gave my daughter a print, and I wanted to give you this this $4 for the for the print. And I'm like, well, I, I told you, like, she, your, the lady gave me the And he's like, I know what happened. And he goes, but I, I feel bad because you artists need, you know, you come here to work and, and, and this is money in your pocket. I'm like, it's not me. It's his. Like, I, and he's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, because we traded the, the, the ring for the, like, and the prints are 10. I just want to give you four as a, as a good faith thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to take it, but he was, he demanded. So I took it. I gave the four to Tom, obviously. And I was, I asked him if he wanted the rest of it. He's like, no, no, everything's like, you know, fun. But you know, I thought that was really nice. And I ended up getting a, a Legion ring out of it. And Tom made a few bucks off his print. And it, it was just a, it was a really sweet interaction. If you know what I mean? I, I really liked everybody. Everybody won as far as I was concerned. Now so, you mentioned about the guy coming to wave in a fistful of dollars in your face. I have to ask, as we've discussed it for the last two or three weeks in the show here, the wristbands. Oh, how, yes. How did the wristbands go? Um, so I, uh, Citibank mm-hmm. had a scam or an opportunity, my apologies, mm-hmm. an opportunity set up where instead of having money or having to wait in long ATM lines, you would just go to this booth, give them money. They would put money on a wristband for you that would be coded to you. And then any time that you wanted to put more money on the wristband, you had to go to this booth. And it was much more convoluted than, like, I don't know, like PayPal or real money. Right. Yep. And I went around. I didn't ask any retailers because I I felt bad. But I did talk to another person about these wristbands. And they said they only really saw a sign, that one sign that says, we take the Citibank wristbands. I went around and I was counting how many... People had wristbands on, Joe. And you know what the number I came up with was? Was it the big fat squadoosh? It was the big fat squadoosh with the occasional maybe it is because uh, Jeremy from the Transformers podcast came to our table and we ended up talking. I mentioned it on After Dark. But uh, Jeremy from Transmissions, yes. Transmission, I'm sorry, Transmissions. And he and we were talking and I, had, I said, I had to ask, I said, is that one of them fancy uh, Citibank uh, wristbands? And he's like, no, that's a Fitbit. I go, darn, that would have been one, right? <laughs> so he's like, no, it's a Fitbit. And that was the thing. I'd see people... With an occasional wristband, like I know what a watch looks like, but some people would have the iWatch that would go with the. So I'm like, is that the iWatch or the Citibank wrist? But I'm figuring the Citibank would have had like Citibank written at least on the on the the, the band, right? So I couldn't. But some people would have like their shirts down. 
so you couldn't see. And I'm like, but mostly I never saw a wristband. And Joe, by the second day or third day, I was really looking. And I now, never did you do what I'd, I'd asked where I know you had gotten a lot of art, um, you know, because you had tweeted some stuff out, of course, and you put some up in other places when you went to to your artists to get your work or commissions or prints or otherwise. Did you say, do you take wristbands? And then when they looked at you quizzically, you would say, no, I actually have money. Uh, no, I completely forgot because I was in the zone, Joe, and I always have my handful of sweaty twenties to to go. So I it just it it didn't cross the the threshold of my brain to do it. I wish I did actually, and I bet you none of them would have known what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So now, did you eat anywhere good? Because you're in New York, you're in the mecca of uh, you know the I would say the East Coast, of course. Uh, you know some of the best pizzas, some of the best places. So what did you get at Bubba Gump Shrimp this year? I did not get any Bubba Gump Shrimp. Obviously, oh. uh, like I, my breakfast, which are bagel talk, which we always save for the after dark. But lunch at the show was always snacks that we brought because you're just it's so expensive. It takes you so long to get food at the cafeterias and stuff like that. And it's just garbage. It's expensive, hot garbage. Like the pizza literally is pre-cooked shells that they put sauce and cheese on it and then they send it under that 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 treadmill oven so they could slightly melt the cheese and i was like no i'm not having any of that but at night we went out um the first night we were we were in town things got hectic so we had to go back near the hotel but we didn't eat at a chain we did eat at a local bar restaurant which i can't remember the name the food was all right the second night we ate at uh, John's Pizza Palace in New York, which is in like Times Square, which is an old cathedral, uh, cha- like gutted and made into a restaurant. Some of the best pizza I've ever had, but you can only buy it. It literally they wear shirts, uh, whole pies. It's written on the back. They won't sell you slices, so you have to figure out what you want. And I I cannot recommend it enough. If you're in New York, um, give it give it a try because. I loved it. And then in Secaucus, one night we went over to China Chef, which is like a sit down, like Chinese restaurant. Everybody, we were there last year and all the people uh, who were there last year were there. There was the two like funny, uh, there was like the maitre d' and then the 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 waiter. And like, we remember them because they were doing, they, it's, it's almost like they have certain bits that they do where like, no, he's going to get you. No, uh, we'll sit you down, but he'll get you the drinks. And I'm not sure if they know what they were doing, but it was, it was fun to, to see unless it's all natural, which makes it even funnier. Um, so yeah, we, we went to a bunch of places, all the food, was really, really good. Other than on the ride home, we were in a bit of a hurry to get home. We stopped at Friendly's because it was off the high. Like, we don't know anything along the way. And you're at kind of at night. And you're like, what's open? We pulled into Friendly's to get something. But that's, I think that's fair when you're coming home. You know what I mean? Did you get a fribble? No, but I had a Reese's Pieces Sunday. Oh, there you go. But so, yes, if wherever it's called uh, John's pizza in on Times square and it's at 260 west 42nd street or 44th street that's where you want to go not a sponsor but there they, there you oh, go if they, were, if they were i would eat all their pizzas now did you get a chance to uh you know press the flesh I, I know outside of you know whatever art that you had to pick up did you get a chance to you know talk to any other creators and stuff at the show uh gunning for hits writer jeff rogue v i got a chance to talk to oh hey uh, cool 
that was fun. He was then talking about, I asked him about the new, I was like, his gunning. I loved gunning for hits, uh, maybe a little more than you, but I, I really loved it. And he was happy to hear that. And I asked him if he was doing another mini series and he said, yes, there's another one coming. And this one's going to be about the, uh, the hitman slash record producer is going to sign a, uh, gangster rapper, group at the time which sells lots and lots of records but which even this gang this gangster uh record producer has trouble controlling and is giving him complete headaches so i'm interested in that and he ended up telling me a lot of the stories that were used in the book were true like you know how it had that like this guy lived the life and as a record producer and he did and the and i told him i love melch Melch is like the awesome. He's just around for the free booze and all the, all the garbage that he does. And he's like, I just want you to know, he's like, Melch is real. Melch literally put a rat trap in his Cuban cigars so he could catch the guy who was taking it. And it cut his finger off. He goes, he goes, I have a Rolodex of Melch stories (laughs) that I will be putting into the comics. Um, that is great. And he ended up moving to like a town in Florida where he's a big wig and people just love him because he buys booze all day because he's got pockets of money because he became a, a, a big wig at the record uh, company. And I thought that was funny. And then we just, dis- we discussed how uh, radio stations have changed in like, cause he's still producing records and how the the radio stations have changed. They're not the same. They're all owned by like seven different companies. They all push the same garbage over a couple hours. You don't have any DJs who have personality, whether you would like them or didn't like them. You'd like their tastes, so you'd follow them. And how the algorithms, and you'll love this, the algorithms for like Pandora and stuff like that don't help good young up-and-coming bands at all because it all doesn't work the way it's supposed to. He was fascinating to talk to. If you ever get a chance, I highly recommend it. And I'm looking forward to more gunning for hits. And uh, that's all, I guess. That's uh, really all that you got a chance to do at New York, huh? Yeah, I got some art. And uh, I'm going to put those in Art Attacks. And maybe I talked to someone named Kevin McGuire. But that was about it. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, I, what? The, the, your golden, well, not your golden goose. What's the, uh, what's the my, thing? Uh, my albatross? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm your albatross. Right. But maybe your arch nemesis, Kevin McGuire, uh, for longtime <laughs> listeners of the show, uh, please correct me. Very long story short, which I've already said like three times on this episode, uh, Todd paid for a bunch of head sketches from Kevin McGuire of his characters from Justice League International. Todd may have paid in advance for many of them and got none of them. Right. And then or last, some. right. I got, so I bought a bunch, they trickled out and then the, the well dried up. And then last year he got me two or three of the, let me see. He got me three of the six. He owed me. Let's use that number. It's close. Um, so this, this has been going on for the better part of seven or eight years. Yes. It all started when we went to Baltimore, but then I was getting them at the time. And, and as I would get, it it would be like, all right, he got me three of the four that I'm owed. So I'll order three more. You know what I mean? Like in the beginning it was working. Like people don't understand that. They think I'm crazy. Like I got my three or two and I'd order more. 
And then like one time he missed one, you know what I mean? And I get a, and then, then it got out of hand. So he owed me uh, like seven or whatever. Maybe he got me three or four last year. So he owed me three this year. And I emailed him a bunch of times before I went. Nothing happened, Joe. No answers. You know what I mean? Up to it. So I get there that day. The fr- I'm there Thursday. I see Kevin. And uh, he has uh, a, a piece that he's working on. That's my end, Joe. Uh, bad news is it was the one he was working on at the end of the day last year in New York on the last day. Hadn't finished much more. It was a, you know, a character. And I'm like, oh, he's like, DCC, I brought it, this one. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So I come back Friday. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, he's drawing. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him Friday. Like, you know, and I'm going to try and get one every day. You know what I mean? Because he only owes me three. And he goes... I, I got I got the one done. He goes, it's Friday. I got the one done. Do you want it now or do you want them all together? I'm like, I want them all together. I want to see what happens. I don't want to take one. I don't want to take one because maybe you'll be like, that's enough. So I, I, I he had it ready for Friday. I come back on Saturday early in the day. And he looks at me and he goes, I got some bad news. Well, I still have the one done. He goes, I was going to do the next one today and, the, and the, the next two today, but I forgot my glasses at the hotel and I can't go back and I can't draw anything without my glasses. So Saturday is shot. You're not getting, you're not getting nothing. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. So I said, I have Sunday. So Sunday I come back and I see him working on, I see he's got his glasses. I come back early Sunday. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start. The, the second one now and I walk I would walk around behind his table and look over uh not behind behind but in the next row and I'd look and I'd see yep he's drawing mine so I let him go I come back later in the day and Joe lo and behold he hands me the last two that he owes me <gasps> Kevin McGuire owes me no more art whatsoever we are squared up Joe this we actually said the saga both of us at the same time said the saga ends Here's all your stuff. I, you don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. We're all good. Hands wiped. We're done. So how many new things did you pre-order from him? I ordered five. No, I didn't order ah, anything. Ah, I, I didn't order anything. That's it. That's everything. I, that was all the characters I wanted and needed. I swear to God. I know you might not believe that, but that was... The no, listen, set- I know you had a number in your head of a certain amount of... Um characters characters that needed to be completed and you know certain ones were paid for and i was doing my best to help you keep track of them Mm -hmm. so now i have some screen captures that i can delete from my phone finally most importantly yep and that you told me i want you to keep record of this so in case i ever say this to you again you could show me these screen captures of what i've said before Okay. And I, I have my emails that I all have to delete now of me asking like my chain of emails, because when it went wrong around like, like two years, like it went wrong, but then around three years ago, I kept every email and would attach them to the last one Uh and he would come back and I would attach. So I have them all. So I'm deleting that chain. We're all good. And, uh, I'm 100% good on it. And in the end, 
like it doesn't you know i know it's not gonna make you forgive him because you always like kind of were like he he done you dirty he when when he got me my last one he said how like patient and good i like he's like you should have never been as good as you were he's like and he was just up and down thanking me and like for all the business that he'd done it it was it, it didn't make everything okay but to him to admit for like five minutes of how wrong he was that kind of, you know what I mean? Helped a little bit, but it was still a long time. If that makes any sense. Are you okay with the way this, that this transaction has finally uh, ran its course? I wasn't happy with the way it worked out or the way it went, but I'm happy with all the pieces that I have. Let's put it that way. Okay. I, then I'm happy with the way that everything has worked out. Right. So. I mean, until next time, I order seven. Oh, lines. boy. No. I know, Josh, I know you haven't learned your lesson, but hopefully you will. Right. And I can't even say I'm not owed art right now. So well, you're just not, not owed art by Kevin McGuire. Right. I'm owed art by someone that I did a uh, Indiegogo, which is just basically a Kickstarter yeah. where they did a, a, a sketch book, an art book. They're like, oh, if you do it, you get. Uh, a sketch with it of your choice of certain characters. And they said, they did say though, I'm doing 200 of these. So they will roll out like don't, you may get it early, but you may not get it until February of next year. I'm doing a hundred or 200 or whatever. So do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's the window. I agreed to that window. Yes. So I can't have a problem with it. If I get it early, yay me come whatever date i don't i have it written down i don't have it in front of me we'll see but i don't count that as owed art so much as that was in the deal if that makes any sense yes eight years todd eight years finally over yes you know what we should we should have owed to joy Oh, good, good though. So now I'm thinking about having just a, a, a Kevin Maguire art attack for like the next 30 some weeks. <laughs> Every week, just bam, bam, bam. This, and you have to put like, this is the piece that I got in September of 2011. Oh. This is the piece that I got in, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. Just so that we could all live over those 32 or 36 weeks, the eight year journey. I wish I kept meticulous notes like you do because you would have. Yes. I would have been like when I ordered them, I had notebooks with like what I ordered, but I don't have dates. You know what I mean? And then along the way I was buying pages off them from cons too. And like covers and eBay. So yeah, I have a bit of Kevin McGuire art. So does that close the not only is it, we've closed the chapter on Kevin Maguire? Does this close the chapter on New York as well? I think it does close the chapter on New York. It's in our rearview mirror, and I'm barreling straight on into one day of Baltimore. There you go. So there are some conventions this weekend. Again, not a, not a ton. Uh, there is a convention in Los Angeles that is just simply called LA Con. Uh, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, Jim Starlin. John Romita Jr., Scotty Young, and The Rob will be there. Mm. Any West Coast listeners want to go try to squeeze some information out of The Rob and be much obliged? Right. There's also the Scotland Comic-Con, Todd. Where's that at? 
that's in <laughs> jolly old Scotland, of course. Oh, uh, not so many comic book folks are going to be there, uh, but media types such as Christopher Lloyd, Burt Young, who uh, I'm a big fan of. I like to see Burt Young is still alive. Who's Burt Young? Burt Young is Polly from the Rocky movie. Oh, I always forget that. Come on now. I hope he still has his 80s robot that Rocky gave him. I hope he does too. Uh, speaking of 80s robots, Judge Reinhold is going to be there. Ooh. And it's across international waters. Scheduled to be there are both Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Marty Jannetty. I hope I hope he doesn't try to escape his barber shop again. Any international listeners, just be wary around those two. They have a history. Oh. But there are two very unique unique things that the Scotland Comic Con is doing. One, Todd, mm-hmm. is the Undertaker experience. Oh, I want to experience the Undertaker. Meet, and probably meet World Wrestling Entertainment Superstar The Undertaker, a once-in-a-lifetime VIP opportunity. A 30-minute meet and greet in an intimate group of people in a private area. Uh autograph, pro photo op. Uh, and a selfie are all included in this. This may be the only chance you ever have to spend a half an hour with The Undertaker in person. Unless you have some Saudi blood money. <laughs> well, we'll talk about how much this costs. Okay. Because there's another one that's going on that's a little bit more fancy. Mm-hmm. This is the Platinum Jean-Claude Van Damme experience. Ooh. So this is... Uh, you will get a signed photo in a commemorative frame. Uh, you will get a professional photo with Jean-Claude Van Damme that he will autograph, uh, if you so want and can be authenticized. A champagne reception with finger buffet. Oh, are they serving fingers to eat? That's disgusting. And, well, listen, you're, it's in Scotland. I don't know the cuisine. Uh, you get two complimentary drink tokens. Oh, an intimate talk with Jean-Claude about his life and career. It's a 50-person limit, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, then after the talk is done, everybody's, like, separated into tables. Uh, Jean-Claude will come over to each table for an individual meet and greet that will last one hour in total. An opportunity to bid on unique Jean-Claude Van Damme memorabilia. Oh, I can only imagine what that is. Including at least one screen-worn item. Uh, A Jean-Claude Van Damme goodie bag that comes with a limited edition hat. And a platinum lanyard, which allows you, like, uh, early access to, like, all the other stuff at the convention. So they're going a little bit more all-out with the Jean-Claude Van Damme package. As opposed to the Undertaker thing, it's like, yeah, you get 30 minutes, but then you get a couple pictures, whatever. I'm hoping that the Jean-Claude Van Damme frame is just four Jean-Claude Van Dammes doing splits and their feet all touch, you know what I mean, for the the frame that you could put the picture of you and Jean-Claude in. Because I would hand a blank check and say, right, in any amount, Mr. Van Damme. Now, I, I will say this. Both are the same price. $250. 500 pounds. 
Oh, is that their combined fighting weight? No! <laughs> now, is that billed at 328, but I think Jean-Claude Van Damme ain't bringing up 250, 60, whatever. I don't know. He's been, he's been, he's been, you know, hawking those Tostitos. Mm -hmm. Maybe been eating them. That that doesn't seem bad for all that. I mean, the Jean Claude Van Damme one seems like you're getting a lot more. Jean Uh, knows how to, how to, you know, give the rub to the fans. Where Undertaker, I mean, right. You can't even, you can't even get, for that time, you can't even get a good look at how he's changed his, changed his Sarah tattoo on his neck. Now, the one thing is, I'm going to be looking for this. If any of our listeners are at Scotland Comic Con and you did purchase one of these two prize packets, Mm -hmm. uh, or one of these two options, or whatever you want to call them, most recent convention appearances of The Undertaker, he's just dressed as, like, you know, American badass rolling on a motorcycle Undertaker. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm paying $500, I want him in the full gimmick, right? The hat. I want him in the duster, I want the gloves, I want the urn there, I want the hats. You know, I want him to do the whole thing. I want him to walk in the room and raise his hands, and even if it's just a guy on the other side of the room turning the light switch up and down, I want the full Undertaker experience, you know? I want him to walk on banisters like old school around. <laughs> just like, just yes, just like flick the eyes back up into his head, yeah. do it all. That would be fantastic. So I'm I'm with you. I don't, I'm I don't, with listen, you. I'm paying five hundred dollars. I don't want Boomer Mark sitting with his dip cup spitting into it. You know. All I know is though, like I think all of these. You know how you get somebody in? Free play to haggis with everything. Uh, <laughs> so again, like I said, big things going on at the conventions, but only the two uh, major conventions this weekend. The links to these will be in the show notes, of course, along with soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, uh, where any of the shows in our network, uh, whenever they come out, or the people on those shows appear on other shows and they remind me, you can find them all over at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, which I think I'm on this week. I haven't heard back from them in a while. <laughs> um, uh, Wednesday Night War, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, and uh, Jason Kirk, formerly of Podvocacy and uh, Everlasting Minute, has popped back up uh, doing both Transmissions podcast with the aforementioned Jeremy Dennis and uh, Moonbase 2, which is another Transformers podcast. Uh, if you check those out, I don't, there's no way, maybe in the comments of those podcasts, leave a comment that you want Jason to come back to Twitter. Oh my goodness. I hope there's still time to re, you know, uh, resurrect his Twitter account, or maybe you'd have to go new. It doesn't matter though. Right. Until Jason comes back on Twitter every week, I'm going to reveal his email address. Oh, one letter. One letter at a time. That's right. I, I say we start a hashtag, release the Kirk Twitter. Well, we could, but he'll never see it. That's the problem, because he's not on <sighs> Twitter anymore. Oh, maybe we'll have to get it like one of them sky planes with the, right. with the so, banner on the back. So the first letter of his email is K. <laughs> okay. I've, wrote, I've written that down, K. <laughs> next week, I'll tell you the next letter. All right. Until he comes back to Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with Jason. I'm still going to reveal your email. 
Uh, digital sales and freebies, though, moving along. Uh, there's a ton of sales going on, a bunch of stuff left over from the last couple of weeks. Uh, the DC Joker sale, the DC on TV sale. Um, excuse me. Um, DC has added a Harley Quinn sale, which, of course, if you're having a Harley Quinn sale, you're having a Joker sale. That's going to be some crossover invariably, uh, even with that being crossed over. Batman Year One, not on the list. Dark Knight Returns is on the list. Uh, Valiant is having a sale on, like, pretty much everything. Dynamite having a sale pretty much on everything. Boom having a sale on pretty much everything. Image having a sale pretty much on everything. All of these are ending relatively soon, uh, probably by the end of this week, or maybe even as you're listening to this. And Marvel is having a sale on Doctor Doom stuff for some reason. I don't know why they would do such a foolish thing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to freebies, Todd, I checked this afternoon, and it was the same three freebies that it has been for the last two or three weeks. No need to check again, then. Well, I just you, in between recording the show, said, hey, Joe, why don't you check again? Or, hey, are you checking again? Or whatever. <laughs> so I Wait. went and I checked again, and there are no freebies. The oh. three that they have been are no longer free, and there's nothing that has replaced them. Ah, well, just so you know, I'll send you a freebie. I sent to your phone. I forgot to tell you. Oh. What uh, what I bought you from New York Comic Con? But anyway, let me see. I, you said you sent it to my phone. You're lying. I did. Maybe it takes a minute to get there. It's got to go to space, Joe. But <laughs> did you I'm get waiting. Oh, there it is. It says my gift. This is why I went before when I'm like, are we all wrapped up with New York? I forgot. There, you know what? You get me talking, and you oh. know what happens. Oh man. Yep, cheapest oh. cup in the world and a sticker. That's awesome. So uh, my my friend Joey, uh, who wrestles for AEW, he was there on Friday um, at the booth where all the wrestlers were. Todd didn't go over to uh, co- coerce them. But in the last week, he has gotten to film vignettes that he scripted with Jay and Silent Bob mm-hmm. and got to hang out with Lloyd Kaufman at the trauma booth. Right. I'm a big trauma fan, and Todd got me a Toxic Avenger cup. And a I love Tromaville High School bumper sticker. Thank you very much, Todd. That's right. I I think of a big sticker, a big bumper sticker as a big sticker. So you'll you'll put it somewhere. I will. That'll probably go on the next tablet. Like that's Good. like usually like it goes like diagonally across the tablet. That's like the base sticker that oh. all the other stickers congeal to. That's right. All your base belong to us. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a meme, and I know what that is. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, moving along, and no new freebies, sadly, but we do have a bunch of books that we've read from this past week that we need to discuss. Todd, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with Berserker Unbound, because the book I was looking forward to most, I didn't read, because it was a huge hardcover, um, uh, which is Berserker Unbound, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Mike Diodato Jr. Um, It's about a warrior king like Conan, who's brought from his world into ours present day and he ends up meeting a homeless guy and they kind of befriend each other and this is the issue where after last one they got some booze because uh berserker had given some gold coins to a liquor store and they got you know they're getting drunk together and even though they don't understand each other, it's a cool way to see that they've both been wounded with their families. We find out that the, the homeless man has a family. And in a way, in a nice touching way, we end up seeing that they both 
think the same way about life, even though they can't understand each other. It's a beautifully drawn book. I'll always like Mike Diodato Jr. And then at the end, some trouble pops up from Berserker's world. Uh, this is the issue that I like the most so far because it gave us insight to both characters and it was just fun to see, you know, them come together as friends now kind of a deal and he protects the homeless guy i'm really enjoying berserker unbound and i'm wondering with what happened at the end where it's going to kind of go now i have some ideas but i want to see how this ends up ending but i'm really enjoying it i still don't know if this is a four issue miniseries or a six issue miniseries Mm -hmm. i could certainly see the next issue being the last one Right. Um, but the Mongrel King, as he's called in here. Um, right. It is, it is a four issue. I apologize because as I'm looking here uh, for information about it, you could pre-order the hardcover of the four issues. Well, there you go. Right. So there's my question answered there. Um, yeah. So uh, it's non-union Conan in our world. And as you mentioned, him and the homeless guy, we see how much they have in common. If this was a cheesier property, you would have that scene where they say it aloud, but the fact that Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodato are talented artists in their own right, mm-hmm. they get more across without saying it than showing it. Right, I agree. Right. Um, and they do start to begin to understand each other a little bit more. I think the mongrel king speaks, or at least understands the first thing between him and the homeless guy. Okay. Uh, there's one word that is spoken that both of them end up understanding eventually. Right. Or come to understand. Come to understand. Yes, yes. Uh, So, yeah, this is a really good book. You know, we talked about the first issue. We didn't talk about the the second issue. I think there was a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, But, yeah, so if you miss this, of course, you know, there's really no way to miss books anymore. You can always get – I always forget to mention that. You know, if you were so inclined, go check out, like, anything digitally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the hardcover of this is coming out in February. You could probably order it now online or however it is, a local comic shop or, you know, there's millions of ways to get these books. I really recommend checking this one out. I do, too. So uh, some of the other books that we read from this past week, as I attempted to go to the site, and this happens from time to time where Marvel's website just decides not to work. Right. Um, Let's start with Absolute Carnage, Immortal Hulk number one, since that was the one I was looking forward to over the other. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is... They haven't done it yet in the actual Immortal Hulk book, but they always do a better job when the Hulk shows up somewhere else recently. Even if it's a page, a panel, a word balloon they give you an explanation as to why. Like, we just talked recently about the uh, issues of Fantastic Four, where the thing's on his honeymoon, and he ends up fighting the Hulk, who's controlled by the Puppet Master. Then, after that's done, maybe like an issue or two later, we got a little bit of an explanation of how that was able to happen. Al Ewing is covering all of his bases here. And I appreciate him for doing so. Right. I... This spins more out of the most recent issue of Absolute Carnage than what it does what's currently going on in Immortal Hulk, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Like I said, written by Al Ewing. We'll get to the artist here shortly. This is the end of the most recent issue of Absolute Carnage. 
one of the Carnage symbiotes possesses the Hulk. And now you've got Hulk Carnage, right? Mm-hmm. It's a crossover. You're going to get all these amalgams, these mashups, these whatevers. This issue is all the banner personalities all attempting to get on the same page in regards to control of the symbiote. Right. And it's expertly done. It's beautifully done. And it does tie into a little bit of what's going on in Immortal Hulk, but it's not, like, if you're not reading Immortal Hulk, I think this would entice you to read it, because I thought this was really good, but I'm skewed because we've both been enjoying Immortal Hulk this whole time. Right. And the part that really grabs me is the logic of, like, you know, people talking of why they should go do the symbiote thing is because there's a god involved and Null, the god of the symbiotes, and, like, whether it's true or not, in Immortal Hulk, it's like Hulk's going to, you know, the devil Hulk, and he's going to bring down heaven and hell, and there's, there's a whole religion thing that works in. So they're all thinking, like, is this part of what I'm doing? And Al Ewing makes it flow seamlessly with what's going on in Carnage. Like, it could be what they need to take care of, or it might not be, so it makes it very interesting to me. It's not just something that's like tacked on. It's like, hey, I'm the Immortal Hulk and I have to do this and I have to fight these people and I have to be involved in the symbiote thing. It's like, no, the symbiote thing might be a part of what I'm doing and all the math checks out. So however it works out, I'm I'm interested to see, but I like when it makes some sense other than, oh, I just have to appear. So that's the brilliant evaluating is he made this work and I'm, you know, and I want to see what happens now. And I want to mention, of course, the artist, uh, Felipe Andrade. Mm-hmm. Amazing art. A delightful find is uh, Felipe. I loved his art in this book. It was just so unique. And I went and I checked out his Instagram to see some of the other stuff that he's done. And he's got tons and tons of stuff. And it's so cool and it's so stylized. And I can't quite put my finger on uh, that I would say that if you like so-and-so's art, you'll like his art. But it definitely does have a feel and a reminder of, like, maybe hate dead air on these sort of things. And I'm trying to um, kind of... uh, uh, Go ahead. You, you, You say who you think. I think it's like a bit of like Jeff Lemire art mixed with like some Sorrentino with, uh, I don't know. because uh, So I'm okay. That's so it's like very Sorrentino mixed with like Chris Bacallo. That's a better version. Yes. 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 Like he has a bunch of Spider-Mans on there and there's a way that he draws Spider-Man's arms that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a Lobo that's on his uh, Instagram that looks awesome. He has a couple, like, Hulks that are done in black and white that were from this issue. And it looks great. Um, Yeah, so Felipe Andrade is artist to watch uh, based on just his art on this alone. And I went in because it had a cover by Kyle Hotz, who I'm a big fan of. So expecting Kyle Hotz art. I didn't get Kyle Hotz art. Felipe Andrade's stuff is awesome. I agree. Also continuing, speaking of Immortal Hulk, Immortal Hulk number 24. Um, I guess this so written also written by uh Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. This could be the end of the run. Like if this was the end of the run, 
this is a pretty good on this is a pretty good ending, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But it's not the end of the run. Yep, I don't think it's over. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's over either. Um, we've been getting some teases recently. Um of like some sort of more cosmic thing involved with whatever's going on in these Hulk stories. Uh, we've got Team Hulk attempting to convince that woman who's working for the new Abomination, who is essentially just wearing the Abomination as a suit. And, uh, you know, Immortal Hulk attempts to live up to his name in this. And I'm he's trying al- to be real vague on this. And he's almost succeeding, I guess. I'm and, with that, and it's not the last page, but it's kind of like an end page where Hulk's sitting in that chair, sitting on that throne, sitting mm-hmm. in that whatever. Yep. That I read that and it gave me chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's no more to this issue. And then, oh, there's a few more pages. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. This is this is stretching the story, and I'm okay. I mean that in a good way. Yep. So, so you well, know, we talk we talk about uh, Immortal Hulk all the time. Uh, every time that it's on sale, I'm like, hey, you can get like the first twelve issues for like four bucks. And mm-hmm. every time I say it, I hope everyone's doing it. I really do because this book is so good. And I'm just gonna say, there's a creepy moment with the art where Hulk's face might be a little busted up, and I'm like. I don't want to look at this at every panel because it's making me ill. Right. And, you know, we going all the way back to when this book began and, you know, we kind of had a preconceived notion in our heads of what Joe Bennett's art looks like, um, mm-hmm. you know, what it's looked like in the past. And outside of maybe one or two fill-in issues, it's been pretty much him on art the whole time. I, yep. And he's knocked it out of the park the entire time. Yep. Every time he's been up to bat, you just kills it. Yep. So. So we do have more Immortal Hulk coming. It has not been canceled. There's been no uh, announcement of any sort of cancellation with this. Uh, but like I said, I cannot stress this enough. You know, this uh, Al Ewing makes this tie into everything. This, you know, goes back to all the way to the beginning of, you know, the Hulk's origin, leading us up to this point. And it's a beautiful book. And everything makes sense. And like I said, that last page, man, and again, the last page when Hulk's sitting in that throne. Mm. And there's just so much more that happens after this. And let me just say, you know how we were talking earlier? I hate being so cryptic about this, but I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. I agree. But now we were talking way back in the news section that we're talking about, like, DC's trying to get more readers in by, you know, younger readers, by making the characters younger, and they're going to do all this. You know what? How about you do really good stories like Immortal Hulk, and that'll bring in a lot of readers, new readers, too. I can give this to people, and they would really enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's been one of those books that I've handed off to people and other people that I know and other they've done it and they've done it. And it's it's one of them uh, pyramid uh, opportunities with the Immortal Hulk. And that's how you get new readers. I remember the time when Walking Dead was the cheapo trade. Uh, That was the pyramid opportunity where I always had like a walking around, beat up, knocked around, uh, you know, 
Because remember, remember when Image was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll sell this at price to move." Yep, nine ninety nine. Yep, and then you know you get your store discount or whatever it is, and it's a little bit less than that. But they're within the last like three years, they're like, "Nope, full price. That deal's no good no more." The book's over. We don't need to push it no more. Yeah. Well, no, this was like maybe like a year no. before the book ended. I remember because I remember I'm like, why are you going to twelve nine? Uh, I guess uh-huh. all right. I guess it's got the cachet now with the TV show and whatnot. Yeah, but this was like before TV show time. This is maybe like ten years ago. Ugh. Where I would have I just I would just have a copy of it and I'd be talking about comic books. Somebody'd come over. I'd say, here you go, read this. And they're like, when do I have to give it back to you? I'm like, it's yours now. You do with it what you want. I hope you read it. Mm-hmm. And then well, I would go. I would just go to the comic book store and buy another one and put it in my right. bag. There was a lot of pyramid opportunity uh, comics over the years for people. Yep. I'm not saying you'd give them and never get them back, but I can make a list from Preacher to Walking Dead to, you know, Sandman, Mortal Hulk. There's been a lot of good books that have been passed around. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't get out enough to have a walking around copy of Immortal Hulk to trick people into reading it. That's right. You just keep all those uh, those uh, walking around copies to prop your bloated foot up with. That's right. Uh, my foot's not so bloated right now, you know? That's right. The it's weather right. change hasn't um, made it swell too, too much. That's right. You don't need to stick a pin in it no more. Right. So there is no Mutant Minute this week, but I understand one of the two, if not both, uh, House of X or Powers of X books will be coming out. Uh, in the interim, of course, you could always uh, bother James, who does the Mutant Minute on Twitter, Twitter over at JamesEnda1ENDA to ask him how uh, his new world is doing, that uh, mutants are, you know, a thing again, at least for the next six months. And I mm. kid James Ledlove. Right. Uh, so that being said, we now go to what we're most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com around 5.30 Eastern time or so, today was earlier, uh, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out so you're prepared to have enough cash on your wristband <laughs> that I'm sure your comic stores have all transferred over to due to the smashing success of them <laughs> at New York Comic Con, sponsored by Citibank. That's right. Now, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I did make some ground last week. I think Todd is only ahead by seven correct guesses. Uh, I highly doubt there's going to be any movement this week, uh, only because I have four books this week, and Todd has the layup of all layups and books this week. I do? Yes, you do. So looking at Todd's list, uh, I could just throw out the rest of these books because not a single one of them matter other than a brand new number one entitled Dr. Dom. Oh, oh. no, there's two O's. Dr. Doom. My apologies. Must be Are a typo. You... But, Joe, the book I'm looking forward to most is Event Leviathan 5. We find out who Leviathan is. No, it's Dr. Doom. That is that is the layup of all layups in the history of this show and ever again. Um, so I'm going to go also, is it the book you're looking forward to most? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm getting Dr. Doom out of solidarity to you. That's right. When this book came out, or when this book was announced three months ago, and uh, we talked about it on the show because I was at uh, the Let's Hang Out event with the Fancy Gentleman. 
and you were tweeting out um, news about the convention, and this was one of the news bits. And then we talked about it on the show, and I said, I will read the first issue with you in solidarity, because it's a new Doctor Doom uh, book. Um, you know, creative seems what it is, you know. Doctor really- Doom is, you know, he's your favorite. Yep, and he's you know, got some sweet covers on that book. It'd be yeah. crazy not to just get one. <laughs> I know you got more than two, because I know what you'd be doing if you got two. Well, not with Doctor Doom. Right. So yeah. I just say, if there's, a, if there's ever a Captain Cold uh, ongoing that comes out, you are now obliged to buy it as well. You know what? I'll I'll throw myself on that grenade, Joe. Okay. The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Wonder Twins number eight. Wonder Twins is awesome. It's been great. It's uh, typically one of the books I'm most excited to read, even if it's not the first or second book I read. Okay. There you go. Look at you gaining ground. Uh-huh. And not even on purpose. See, me, I just think everybody wants to read Doctor Doom number one. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should be issued it. Like, Latvarian Army should just drop a, a Doombot shit. Like Amazon, you know, drones, Doombot should just be dropping this book off at people's house at gunpoint demanding you to read it. It's propaganda. Mm-hmm. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe have issues. You can also check out our store where you can purchase T-shirts, stickers, and pins. Definitely not hats. Of our fancy logo. You can also go over to our Tee Public store and purchase not only Longbox Heroes shirts, soon-to-be-named Network shirts, at odds with the wrestling shirts, and shirts inspired uh, by uh, some of the dumb things that we say on the show, mostly Todd. Uh, I did drop the when did blank become a business to someone who doesn't <laughs> listen to the show, and they were very confused. They didn't get they didn't get the joke of it. They were like very serious. They're like, "What well, was because of this?" And I'm like, "No, it's a joke." You what know, joke? That's the serious question. That's the most serious question I ever asked in my repertoire, Joe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could also help us out by uh, signing up for our Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. And I forgot to do. Uh, the Three Gods from Nowhere episode this week as well. I need to put a note somewhere mm, next to remind to... me of this. Uh, you get that at the dollar a month. Uh, Five dollars a month you get uh, After Dark two days before everybody else. This week we do more discussion of New York, the stuff that was too hot for this show. That's right. Uh, but most notably and most importantly, you could always help us out with no extra cost out of your pocket by using our Amazon link across the top of the page. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Mm, Cha-ching. Some of the notable purchases from the Amazon click-through this past week. Someone purchased the Complete Adventures on Blu-ray of Back to the Future. That's one, two, and three. Somebody also purchased a Pop Voice Professional Lavalier lapel microphone. That's when you actually want to uh, have your stuff sound very professional. (laughs) Uh, Somebody also went snack crazy. I remember back at the beginning of the school year, somebody purchased a wide variety of assortments of different crackers and chips and so forth. And I think they needed to restock because they they bought the multi-packs of Lay's Poppables. Simply Cheeto White Cheddar Puffs, Cheez-Its, 
and Quaker chewy granola bars. Now, I'm guessing it was probably the same person who decided to buy the Amazon brand uh, granola bars. Uh, there's a, I'm sorry, uh, nut and seed bars mm. that are gluten-free uh, <laughs> under the name brand of Wickedly Prime. Uh, whoever the purchaser of those is, specifically let me know how those uh, chocolate peanut butter ones are. Because I might, uh, at that price, at that many, I'd be a fool not to pick them up. A fool! Mm. And uh, somebody also purchased uh, a 23andMe DNA test, health and ancestry, personal ge- uh, genetic service. I hear a lot about that 23andMe. I've never done it myself. I won't do it because I don't want anybody coming for the for the <laughs> inheritance of my father. He's probably got a few out there, if you know what I mean. I certainly do. Um, no TV talk, sadly, this week. As mentioned at the top of the show, we did not get a chance to watch Batwoman. Uh, but I will attempt to squeeze in Batwoman episodes one and two, along with the season premiere of The Flash. Right. Which is so there might be a ton of TV talk next week. Yep. But last but not least, as we close out the non-TV discussion discussion shows, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Um, With the best co-host you ever uh, did a podcast with, the man Adam Van sent me, uh, hey, Todd's art attack. I know it's not original art, but I was told art prints still counted. And they do, people. So here are two autographed Sean Murphy prints I just picked up to add to the prestigious Azrael collection. That's right, ladies. This is an Azrael fan, and I hear he's single. Get on that. Um, Just good stuff. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sean Murphy's art uh i've been enjoying the white knight series these are some pretty sweet prints even though they are bargain basement batman what are you gonna do Uh, Uh, i was gonna say i don't know why someone went ahead and ruined sean murphy's autograph by putting bargain basement batman around them but more power to them i you know art is art you you know it's subjective also t-bolt 712 i know that Um, guy yeah, you're always trying to, to, to rob him. Um, hey, Todd's Art Attack. At New York Comic Con, I was able to meet Gilliam March and purchase a page directly from his Paul Dini's run on Gotham City Sirens. It was such a fun book, and I'm thrilled to finally own a page. And he got this especially because there's a, there's a, uh, he loves Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and stuff like that. There's a, a bit of the old classic costume in it. Uh, he's always a big fan of that. So I was there, and he was so. Happy to get this page. Uh, and it's a nice little page, so good for him. You're going to steal this the, one? Even his scanned image of it, and it's not even a scanned image. Like, I can see that he just, like, put it on his table and took a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Then cropped it. Right. Badly. <laughs> uh, if you look at that top panel of Catwoman with uh, Harley Quinn put the drill to her, mm-hmm. I miss seeing those official art pages you know like the official page that you draw your art on to be made into the book right and i just look at that page and i'm like i look at that panel and i could see the work and the care that was put into that you know Mm -hmm. like i could almost feel every line being drawn and i love it like I i I might go to his house. I don't want that page, but I might just rip that panel off the page. You just want to stand over it and drool on it? Yes. Right. And I had an art attack this week, Joe. What? 
fresh from New York Comic Con, two pages, Suicide 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 Squad eleven, page number three, and Suicide Squad fourteen, page number one. Pencils by Eddie Barrows, and uh, inks by Eber Fiera. Uh, basically, I had to grab these, and this is the reason why. Um, if two separate comics, obviously these these pages were were in, but same artist and inker. But I look at this as a two part story told of Todd. Every time Todd goes out to drink, <laughs> it starts with Todd ripping his shirt off with women with money stuffed into their into their clothes. Then. I start to realize where my life is, where it's been and where it's going. And then we jump to page number two and there's me at the end of the night looking with at my reflection in the glass while screaming at an old man. And then somebody with a shotgun kicks in the door. That's, that's the, that's the, you know, the time tested story of my life. And also I like that second picture because literally since he dropped some beer out of the glass, that is officially and literally a splash page, Joe. <laughs> it's a splash page. Figurable oh, and literally a splash page. So I I win. And Captain Boomerang, all good. And Eddie's washes on this are beautiful. That helicopter is gorgeous with the lightning. Um, I had to have these pages. And I'll tell you, the price on them was a legitimate steal. So I was just like... Here's my shut up and take my money. So if you told me this was the same artist, I wouldn't believe you mm-hmm. just because the disparity and difference in in the styles that he's using. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned the helicopter panel and then you look at the full shot of the reflection in the second page of Captain Boomerang's face in that glass of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing innovative stuff with panel layout, with page layout. And you mentioned his brushwork. And, you know, I talked about the Gilliam March thing, and you could tell that's pen to paper. And this is pen to paper as well, but this is more involved. And it's paper. It's not that same official branded with the blue whatever pages that you would get from DC to do your work on. But this was definitely not, like, done on a tablet or something like that. Right. Care went into these two pages. And, again, it's the same artist, the same amount of care, I would assume, went into both of these pages. And two wildly different scenes, two wildly different looking styles of art. And I love them both. Mm-hmm. A I'm night gonna, with I don't that. steal from you though. I only steal from uh, T Bolts, uh, whatever numbers there are. That's right. I'm 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 framing them both together and calling it a night with Todd. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's it. Did yes, we miss anything? Every, I can't think of anything. I know we always miss stuff and come back around, but uh, I think we're good now. I do try to keep copious notes on my script. Right. I don't. I just. Uh, I I wing it. I'm like B dubs. I just wing it. I know you've uh, you're still working from the Marigold script, but I'm doing from the Goldenrod pages. So it gets very confusing <laughs> when we're trying to keep up with the uh, constant changes that this show goes through. There you go. You know, Vince showed up at noon today and just threw the whole script out and made us do it all over again. Right. We're just all going to do some spectrox and barrel through. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode 471 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. 